Folks, this is your captain speaking. We're just preparing the craft for departure and undergoing some last-moment pre-flight checks. But once underway, we'll be flying at about 6,000 miles per hour at an altitude of 300 feet as we depart the BFE non-stop towards our destination of... And welcome, 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 welcome to episode three of a third attempt, or whatever we're calling this, of Cleared for Takeoff. Uh, my name is Ian. And I'm Ethan. And that's what we've got today. So, I mean, it took us three episodes to finally get to the kind of the actual format I wanted all <laughs> along, which is fine. It was just, you know, which one should be the first one? I mean, a big one. So we went for Friends. And, oh, then, yeah. and then WandaVision happened. And how do you ignore WandaVision? How do you tell only two people? No, no, no. Only these two people can talk about WandaVision. So uh, then it was like, okay, well, so the format as I see it or as I saw it is there were two of us analyzing a TV pilot one of whom has seen it before, and they sit in our sort of quote-unquote captain's chair in the sort of branding concept metaphor we're going for here, and one of whom has never seen it before, and they're in kind of the co-pilot's chair, and they're kind of – so we have someone who can give us sort of their honest, raw, never-seen-it-before opinion, but they can be guided through the process by maybe someone who can give a little bit more context where applicable and sort of walk the way through before at the end we go as a pilot – how was it? Is it? And our two options are, is it grounded or is it cleared for takeoff? And that's what we have today. So today I am firmly in the captain's chair and Ethan, you are in the co-pilot spot because you haven't seen today's episode, which is Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. Yeah. I've never seen this. Um, I was I've, really surprised at you because you're yeah. very media. I'm not, literate's not the right word, although you are very media literate, but you are a connoisseur of whatever seems to be, um, I don't know, trendy's the right word, but whatever seems to yeah. be in the zeitgeist. I usually, yeah, I usually know like the, the up-to-date sitcoms. I've always known about it, and it's always been something that's been like recommended by Netflix. My only knowledge of this is like I saw GIFs from the Netflix Twitter account, I'm like, this looks good. I should probably watch this. And then I go back and rewatch like Brooklyn nine, nine for the 19th time. Cause it's, 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 it's a hell of a commitment for a new show that you've never seen. Yeah. I mean, sitcoms are a bit easier of a watch as far as that goes, especially Shit's Creek. Cause it's not, it's not like a North American sitcom length. As far as the seasons yeah. go, it's more of a, like an HBO type, like order length or like a Disney plus series kind of, you know, I like guess like 13 episodes, maybe a season. But no, I only discovered it this summer when I was kind of just flicking through board. And I love sitcoms. I love sitcoms. Mm. And finally went, all right, to give us a go because uh, Schitt's Creek is is a Canadian series. It's a Canadian plane we're taking today. And uh, there's not many Canadian sitcoms. What we tend to do in Canada, because it's far cheaper to just get Canadian distribution rights to American shows than it is to actually make your own. And so uh, the most famous Canadian sitcom that I remember was something called Corner Gas, which maybe we'll do one day, but it is, spoiler alert, it is terrible. <laughs> and if that is the notion of what Canadian, it's old, It's also an old humor. It's an old, like, I mean, uh, it, it did really well with like 40 plus, and I, I know I'm in that bracket now, but like it's a different type of comedy and, and humor and comedy is so not just localized by region, but also by things like generation and age and where you're at in your life and various things. I, it just never rang true with me. So um, I was a little bit trepidatious about dipping my toe in the water for Shit's Creek. And then uh, spoilers, I have watched the entire six season run on Netflix. A, because it was locked down. There wasn't much else to do. It, it was just an easy watch. The comms are always good like that. When it's like a 22 minute thing that not that many episodes, I, it's just, it's an easy slog through. I watched the IT crowd for like the however many hundredth time, like in the last week. And I went through like one to five within like three days, just having it on. And that's why I love Peep Show over here is because Peep Show, which we should do at some point, oh, yeah. is, is one of those few British series that ran for like nine seasons. As opposed to, you know, you can get through all of the in-betweeners. I did get through all of the in-betweeners in an afternoon. Jeez. Yeah, because well, there's only three series. Yeah. So it's like 18 episodes. So reality, you're looking at five, six, seven hours, and you're kind of done. So, you know, it was – and it was it was all right. It was good. It was repetitive, you know, as we sit here, you know, on the day that we released Groundhog Day on the main feed, you know, such as. 
Um, but that is where we are at. I've printed this out and I've accidentally forgotten to make everything black. So occasionally when I get to like something that was a hyperlink at one point, it's kind of gone like almost like invisible on my page. There's just these like, so usually it's like actor names. Great. That's the thing you don't want to have access to. So what we do here is we kind of go through, um, what makes a good TV pilot. We analyze the episode in total, and then we kind of give it a judgment. And Ethan, you kind of have the majority of that judgment because you're sitting here as the Scooby-Doo newbie in the, in the, in the co-pilot's chair. You are in the stowaway seat, the, whatever we called it on, on the hideaway seat, the stowaway seat, the bucket seat. Uh, I have power to crash this plane if I choose. Well, I hope not. I hope not. This question is, <laughs> will, will, will you, will you fly the Shit's Creek skies again if given the option so uh schitt's creek uh the synopsis for it if anybody hasn't seen it it's this uh we will have episode one spoilers i'm gonna try and keep everything else kind of muted as far as that goes but here's a premise because it's what a pilot should do um the premise for the series is that the wealthy rose family lose their fortune after being defrauded by their business manager they rebuild their lives with their sole remaining asset a small town named schitt's creek while the family adjusts to their new lives, their well-to-do attitudes come into conflict with the more provincial residents of Shit's Creek. So, in essence, it's a riches to rag story, and which isn't new; it's been done before. It's, but it's an—I would say—it's an old story done in a new way. I—I I enjoyed sort of the concept of it. I. It might be that at the time that we recorded this and I watched this, we just had the the whole Wall Street thing go down. So I've been enjoying seeing like rich people kind of suffer. The, so this, this is the Robin Hood GameStop thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I've been I've been enjoying that that whole catastrophe. So seeing this with Shit's Creek, it's like paired for just perfect <laughs> humor because I've just been seeing it constantly. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I teach media studies, and one of the things we talk about is audience pleasures, and there's something we like. It's called audience superiority, mm. and we like feeling smarter or better or something than the characters, and there's nothing in in film, in TV, in even professional wrestling, in very, whatever art form you have. We love seeing those above us be brought down to size. It's so satisfying, especially when it's, it's like with The Way Sunny in Philadelphia, which is a hell of a comparison – the people suck, but we laugh at we're laughing at them, not with them. Which yeah. I think is what I'm what I'm feeling like. We're laughing at the rich heiress daughter, we're laughing at like the yeah. very stuck up rich wife. Like I'm I'm really I was enjoying seeing those stereotypes be like almost like overdone cartoonishly in like a still plausible way. Yeah. I agree with you there. So I mean yeah, so before we take this puppy out and decide if it's ready to fly, we have to do um, a couple of things. First, though, we need to go over our manual. Pilot has to do three things, a TV pilot. Number one, has to establish characters. Number two, has to establish or create a mood or an atmosphere for the show. Number three, it has to give you a reason to come back, and that reason can't be the mood. The reason's got to be something story-related. So we'll go through it, and we'll see if it does those three things on the end. But first, a little bit of context, a little pre-flight check. So Shit's Creek, which we accessed here in the UK on Netflix. Wherever you are in the world, wherever you get your programming, um, try there first, I suppose. <laughs> Netflix usually has it if no one's like Prime at this point. Yeah. It's gonna be theoretically one of those two things. I don't CBC yeah. in Canada doesn't have its own streaming service that I'm aware of. It's Hulu not, if you're American. It's not peacocking up. It might be on Hulu, yeah, because I don't know where uh pop's gone so basically the idea was dan levy who plays david came up with the idea for the show while watching reality television he told out.com i'd been watching some reality tv at the time and was concentrated on what would happen if one of these wealthy families would lose everything would the kardashians still be the kardashians without their money so he turned to his father who was canadian sort of film legend eugene levy to help develop the show and eugene levy there's their behind the scenes uh, special on uh, Schitt's Creek on Netflix as well. It was a great documentary. And, oh, okay. and he confesses that he had no interest in, <laughs> he was like, no, I don't want to do this. And he sat down and, and David pitched him the show, Dan, sorry, pitched him the show. And he kind of went, okay, this might have some legs, but he's still very, very nervous. And we can see by some of the decisions kind of how that was manifested. Um, so Eugene Levy is the one who came up with the title Schitt's Creek. And uh, Dan Levy said, well, let's make it vague. Let's make it vague. We won't say where exactly Shit's Creek is. Because no matter where you live in the world, you can relate to the idea of a Shit's Creek. There's some town yeah. in your region. You're like, that's where the Hicks live. That's where the ones who aren't as sophisticated as us live. 
And so um, they they do eventually give it a location, but not not yet. Oh, okay, uh, cool. They pitched the show to several networks in Canada and the U.S. and uh, the cable networks, HBO and Showtime, pass on it. But ABC in the states was interested, and CBC, and they're not related to each other in any capacity. Yeah, uh, was also interested. The show was first sold to the CBC, so a, a Canadian produced television program. But the CBC Le- is where like uh, you got all your DC shows, like your Arrows, your Flashes. I think. No, 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 no. CBC. Oh, no, that's CBS, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. CBC is the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. So it's our version of the BBC. It's much closer in relation oh, to that okay. than it is. ABC is not the American version of the BBC. ABC is a private network. It's not government related. CBC in Canada is a government mandated crown corporation with all the rules that basically the BBC have over here. But we do commercials. Okay, cool. Um, and but the levies decided against ABC because they have a history of creative interference and eventually found a home on cable on Pop TV. And Pop TV is this little network, cable network that like really not that many people have. So I can imagine. I've never heard of a cable company called Pop TV. No, I mean, so this is why you know this is the great success story. The you know Shit's Creek is on a on a network in the states that you know no one has and few people hear of or, or even watch. So, uh, me and my wrestling nerddom, um, there's a company called Impact Wrestling, formerly called TNA. And for a brief time, they were on Pop TV. And it was like, no one has this cable network. Why are you moving here? Well, the answer was, no one else would give them a deal. So they went ahead and took that one instead. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they're still on it or not. Uh, and so there were pushes to change the name of the series because it sounded vulgar. But uh, to prove their point, the levies brought paged copies from phone books to the CBC showing it was actually people's names <laughs> called shit. <laughs> and so they kind of um, kind of backed down. But there is that bit where they face you know some sort of censorship issues during promotional tours in the U.S., and many networks in the U.S. shorten the title or put extra disclaimers before airing it. Uh, but just in order to make sure that everything would be okay, Eugene Levy, like I said, who had some trepidation, he served as co-showrunner in the first season alongside his son, Dan Levy. But for future series, or seasons, as we would say in North America, Dan Levy took over as the sole showrunner beginning in season two. But we're not here to talk about season two. We're here to talk about season one and episode one, as that might be, called Our Cup Runneth, Runneth Over, which is the uh, official episode one. They did do an unaired pilot, but as far as conventional sort of wisdom would go, this is the first taste, uh, which aired on January 13th, 2015 on CBC and a month later in America on Pop TV. And this gets us to our introduction to the shits, not shits, the roses. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I never realized the pun on rose compared to the pun on shit. I got the shit one. I never thought about a rose in shit. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I may have to put that disclaimer they have on Netflix, which on CBC, this program contains coarse language. I may have to do that at the start of our episode because we're going to be saying <laughs> the word shit a lot, I have a feeling. Um, and it's a character name. That's all we're doing here. So, um, and this is, fun. I mean, this is the this is the genesis. This is the origin story of why they're there, which is so much of, of sitcoms are in 22 minutes how do you establish characters and a premise and not have it seem super expositional i thought they did it well because it went pretty quickly i feel because like from the inciting incident to them going to Shit's creek was like maybe what like four or five minutes and i thought it was established pretty decently by act two you're in Shit's creek yeah yeah um and that first scene we get in the mansion was actually the last scene they shot of the season Oh, wow. So they shot everything in Canada, and then they went to L.A. to shoot that scene, and they got all dressed up (laughs) to do that one, which seemed really great. And there's this great joke where there's a knock on the door, and this maid comes down, this giant staircase. Oh, I love that. And you just hear a clip-clop, clip-clop, and she opens the door, and it's a bit of a cheap joke, but she goes, it's all these government officials. She goes, immigration? And they go, no, revenue. And then they go, oh, there's someone to see you. And we get a really rapid-fire introduction to our four main players. Interesting, the first one we get is Moira. Moira, played by Catherine O'Hara. When I saw her, I went, I was like, oh, my God. Because the last thing that I've seen her in really is, I think, Home Alone. Yeah, she's the mom in Home Alone. Yeah, so I saw her, I was like, oh, wow. Because I think when we said when we did the Home Alone episode, I was like, what is she doing now? Yeah, she's doing this. 
Yeah. Um, also was in Beetlejuice. Was another big one for her. Oh my god! Yeah, I always forget she's uh, Delia, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Yeah. And so a lot of the black and white, like her her fashion style in this, is sort of like a hearkening back to that Tim Burton esque kind of gimmick especially because her character i'm not sure if it's established in this opening episode but her character is a former soap opera actress no i I don't remember that i don't think they bring it up no No, i think it's one of the things they sort of do to flush the character out but uh you know as the crazy kind of um matriarch of this family um and Catherine o'hara was the uh series first choice for the role of moira rose um, a great bit where she starts screaming about her wigs and how they don't like each other, and you can't like almost like they're pets. You can't put this one in on that one because they don't oh, get along. I was, I was cackling at that. Like this entire three minute opening where I'm seeing everyone like, oh, I already know that I hate them, but in like the correct way that I'm supposed to yeah. hate them, and I love it. Yeah. Um, and so she'd worked previously with Eugene Levy on a whole bunch of stuff, including oh, back wow. to something called SCTV. And SCTV, we talked about this when we did the Home Alone episode, but SCTV is kind of like Canada's Saturday Night, Night Live. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like an improv comedy sketch group. And the second city is all throughout the United States and Canada. But the one who got a TV deal uh, and made these people superstars, John Candy and Eugene Levy and Catherine, that was the one in Toronto. So uh, pretty much everybody you're going to see on this cast is a Canadian. So shout out to my boys and my girls in Canada. Um, and she at first turned down instantly this role. Oh, really? Turned it down. Later says it was laziness. she didn't want to do anything long term and so levy reached out to someone else whose name is not given but continued to court o'hara and she eventually said fine i'll do a pilot nothing more and (laughs) then when it got picked up she's like yeah i'll keep doing this and shows a lot of appreciation eventually for this role and you know, as we go through, we can sort of talk about the characters, I think, because I think a sitcom, especially a sitcom, it's not so much the, 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 the premise as it is the characters you place in that premise. They seem like very fun roles to do, especially for like comedy actors, because there is there's so much there that you can just like caricature and overdo in like a, a, a good way without it seeming well, too much. And I think they, they get that line. At least she gets that line very well. Especially, like, what's she famous for? She's famous for playing the mother who kind of just goes into mom mode for the whole movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Like she's not a great mom, but she's still, like, kind of vanilla. And then she goes into, a like, a better mom, but she's still kind of vanilla. I mean, her premise is to be, you know, just mom. So Macaulay Culkin is someone to run to at the end of the movie. And this is not this. This is This is something different this is a character who's more than just a mother in fact this character's not much of a mother <laughs> this is like if kevin McAllister died at the end of home alone one because of her negligence like that's kind <laughs> of the vibe i get from her yeah as long as the wigs make it it doesn't matter about the kids <laughs> um and so then we get introduced very quickly to um johnny rose played by eugene levy uh probably most famous besides this now i'd be very curious to people's kind of thoughts on him now but before this probably most famous even though he had a small film career for being uh jim's dad in the series of american pie films oh my god yeah i was wondering because he looked he looked familiar because i i haven't really seen him in anything i guess other than this in american pie well, that's because in american pie he's just like the dorky dad who's just way too open about you know sharing with his son you know the ins and outs of sex oh god it's really weird now because he's so he's so much more like reserved and stoic in this yeah but he's also really suave like he's stylish in this oh yeah as opposed to like in um in american pie he's got like the dwight Schrute like short sleeve mustard shirt <laughs> Yeah, you know, and he's, he's 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 a thin man by 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 nature, but now we put him in like thousand dollar suits, and the guy just looks. And the whole series, he looks like this. He's just wearing a blue suit all the time, and he looks like a million bucks. He looks great. He does look great in this, absolutely. Um, something maybe to talk about at the end is is the use of costume in a sitcom, mm. like like not just lazily, but like actually. Uh, and Dan Levy's very hands on with this, very very hands on. He picks all the pieces out himself. Mm. Um, then uh, interesting note though is that Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara also played as a pair of married porcupines in the animated movie Over the Hedge. Oh my god! Yeah, there's a link you didn't see coming. That's like 
that's like throwing me back like i don't know like 15 years oh my god yeah and so then we've got the role of Clemens in is on her mobile phone we've got alexis rose uh played eventually by uh, i'm gonna make sure i get this right by annie murphy eventually because she was not the one who was in the pilot oh the original one was a woman named uh abby elliott abby elliott didn't really go on to do much but she had scheduling conflicts with something else she was already doing so she couldn't commit to this I guess maybe she was hoping it wouldn't work out, uh, the thing she was already on, and she could do this instead. But when it got picked up, she had to bail. And she may be best known to North American audiences, at least she was best known to me, for playing one of Ted's long-term girlfriends in How I Met Your Mother. I'm just giving a brief look at her IMDb. The only thing I know her from is, oh, she's done a lot of like animated stuff. Yeah. If you've yeah. seen How Much Your Mother, she's the girlfriend who goes crazy and like blows up his stuff and burns his oh, stuff. Oh, the car. Yeah. She's the one who finally goes, when he finally goes, enough is enough. I'm done playing the field. I'm ready. And it's the last oh. serious girlfriend he has before he meets the mother. Oh, she did a load of SNL stuff too. Right? Yeah, she was on SNL for a few years. Yeah. So, um, then we saw so the role instead was offered eventually to um annie murphy uh murphy went and she was on the verge of giving up acting because get this i mean this is like the the, the ultimate rags to riches i thought matt leblanc is joey tribbiani was something she had not worked in two years her house had burnt down and she had three dollars oh, she had three dollars left in her bank account when she got an email inviting her to audition and she auditions and dan levy's a fan instantly he says she's got wonderful light natural likability but Eugene Levy goes, she's not blonde because <laughs> he saw her as a blonde. Yeah. And so instead they call her back for an audition to try out for sarcastic motel clerk, Stevie Bud. And they go, I don't know. And so Dan Levy convinces his dad, we can dye hair. She's <laughs> right for Alexis. And he relents and she gets cast as Alexis Rose. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on her, Ethan? I... It's weird. I liked her, but I also was like, I'm just enjoying watching her suffer because I've I I always love in comedies like the trope of like the very spoiled rich girl getting her comeuppance, and it was very like, um, oh, who's the main like the main was it Regina George in Mean Girls? Yes. It's sort of like that that you love to hate her. I'd love to see her get a redemption, which I really hope this show goes to. But there, there's, there's something there in that character, especially with the was it Ramondo kind of, kind of stuff that I'm. She just has screen presence in like a good, not villainous way, but annoyingly funny way. Yeah, I don't really know what my original thought on her was. She's probably my least favorite of the family when I first watched it. But then again, she's supposed to be my least favorite. But it was a character that felt very one note. And maybe that was my issue with it. Uh, but she is the one who has the whose comeuppance comes last of the family because she's convinced she has a way out. And we find that yeah. out later in act two. And then finally, we get introduced to David, um, who is the lead writer, the showrunner, uh, Dan Levy. Um, very stylish, first off, very stylish. Oh, yeah. And is so concerned about the material goods he's losing more so than is being kicked out. It's the idea of, and he goes to the IRS agent, you know, how do you feel getting paid to ruin people's lives? And then he shouts, <laughs> people's lives. Um, and they get put into a room, and Act 1 finishes by going, yeah, your life sucks. The, your business manager's taking all your money, but you can go live in this town you bought. Uh, I don't know how you buy a town, but they did. That's the premise of the show. And so they can go live in the town. Now, I don't know. It's not, you're not kings. I mean, you don't – but uh, it's kind of a plot hole that you have to kind of see your way around. I love that back and forth of like, wait, you actually bought it. Yeah, like you could have just photoshopped. Why would I photoshop it? Like, yeah, the like, joke is that I bought it. I, is it that he they owes? They have good chemistry. What is it? Is it that he owes the land everything is on? I don't understand this. Uh, what does he own the deed to? I have no idea. I think it might just be the town. It's such a weird. How do you own a town? Like, what, what does he actually own? Is it a sign? 
I guess. Yeah, I, it's I just he just paid that much money for a single wooden sign. Well, I, I don't know what it is that he owns, but it, it's, it's, it's just a premise to get them in this situation. I understand that. Yeah. But just don't think too hard about it because at some point he has to. They do. Uh, spoiler alert. I mean, they do, do try and offload the town at various points. And so obviously people are willing to buy it for, for significant money. So he has to own some, whether it's land. I don't know what exactly he owns, he owns, but he owns something. Um, and then uh, really quickly, we like to do this when we get, come across it. Uh, the theme song, you know, it's very, very short, but it's, uh, I don't know if you remember it well enough, Ethan. I can play the uh, kind of, uh, oh, can Probably I Probably not enough. I've only watched it once. It was like, it was like this, uh, I'm going to, actually, if I do this, I can probably get there. Uh, by letting this sort of thing play down in the background. So I'm vamping for time here, because I think it's only the last five seconds. I don't want to go through the whole pre-flight check thing. I should have made a secondary <laughs> sound file for it. But I think it's got kind of a a thing to it. Yeah, I'm going to see if it comes up here. Oh, here we go, and it. Oh, yeah. It's got a lovely end credit where it takes that and goes much, much further with it. But, yeah. It's very good placey almost and like only a couple notes and then like a nice little ding ding and it's just you know a set of mood it's enough that we can then move to a different setup for a different joke and we're we're now into the into the the show proper and uh, that takes us into act two and welcome to shit's creek and we meet roland shit which i never picked up the pun of roland shit i got i got i got i got the second name but i didn't get that it sounds like rolled in (laughs) when i when i saw him because i Obviously, the Groundhog Day episode just released. That's really list- wild, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to it, and you were like, oh, yeah, the camera guy at Groundhog Day is, is, in, is the mayor in Schitt's Creek. I'm like, there's a mayor in Schitt's Creek? Okay, this is strange. And he popped up like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> holy shit. Literally, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so this is the one American actor in the cast. Chris wow. Elliott. Chris Elliott. He says when Eugene Levy offered him the role, uh, he didn't audition. He was just offered the role. And he said, why would I say no? Why would you say no to Eugene Levy and doing a series like this? And um, I mean, he's not, I mean, he's not, he's not losing look, look like a mayor. I mean, he's dressed in like a trucker cap and he is the, he's the only, he's one of two characters we get who are representatives of Shit's Creek, but him especially in the fact that it's got, he's got the same name as the town. So yeah. he's the personification of this town and he's not much to look at. He's so Chris Elliott. I mean, there is that. Is it is, is, is yeah. it is it is it too Chris Elliott? Is it just like you're playing Chris Elliott? It felt I I don't know what it was. I disliked him the most. There was something about like just his costuming and him. It felt not out of place. I guess that's the point. But it's that weird like pillowy almost pop belly thing. It didn't look real. It didn't look. Oh, the pop belly does not look real. Yeah, no, it's bad. like he just shoved the pillow. It's like a pillow. Like, it really is. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, this will this will do. This will be funny. Don't even put like a fat shirt on so it like you're a little bit big on the sides and the back. It's just in the front. <laughs> <sighs> but no, I I understood what his character was meant to be there for, so I kind of appreciate that. But I think. I, I'm, I'm hoping he might grow on me if I continue to watch this. Okay, how about the other one, Stevie? Oh, I loved her. Yeah, uh, I thought uh, she was fantastic. Early day, Stevie was 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 my absolute favorite character, mm. without a doubt. Uh, she was cast as the deadpan motel clerk after auditioning for the role in L.A. Uh, she originally requested to do a, sub, a taped audition because she gets too nervous and breaks out in hives. Eventually, she agreed to audition in person, and this story is really told well. Uh, definitely don't watch any of it n- until you've literally fit- finished the entire series. Oh, but Because but, uh, massive spoilers, massive spoilers oh, okay. everywhere, so, so don't, don't touch it. But they go back yeah. and do a retrospective of the whole thing. So if you're a big uh, Shit's Creek fan, definitely check that out on, on Netflix because it is there. Um, and so, uh, according to Daniel Levy, because Hampshire can't remember her audition, she has no recollection of it. Um, he said she gave a great audition, but then proceeded to lift her shirt over her head and slowly rock back and forth. <laughs> so, which is I weird because she, she, she plays everything so cool in this. Yeah. And, uh, he then said that she found their audition charming and she was offered the part of Stevie and she is great in take, whereas Roland shit, I don't know if he's trying to, he's half trying to impress them and half has a chip on his shoulder. Uh, Stevie's just not taking anything of it and just gonna expose their, their flaws for what they are. I think that character was cause she's like, I'm a very cynical person when it comes to like the Uber rich people that are supposed to be. So she's this nice sort of almost audience view side for how i feel about what these characters represent and it 
it's nice to see sort of that juxtaposed to the Rose characters. And another juxtaposing to the Rose characters is this motel. Oh, God. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the motel almost becomes a character in, in the pilot. And, you know, it's, it, it remains an important set piece. I'll just say that. Um, and so, you know, to go from, you know, the, the idea of a hotel and thinking, you know, I want a suite down to, no, you're going to have these rooms. And this uh, – locations for Schitt's Creek are kind of located all over sort of south, southern Ontario in Canada. But the motel itself, which is actually not a working motel – it's just kind of a um, it's it's a motel that's been d- deserted. Oh, um, I, would, I would love to feel it was like a real motel. Just no. be like, yeah, stay in the Shits Creek rooms for like a day. This is like thirty minutes from my parents' house. I have driven past Whoa. this. So like before this became a thing, I'm like, when I found out what it was, I'm like, that's, I know what building this is. That's awesome. It's in a small town called Mono, Ontario, just outside of Orangeville. So that's Orangeville's where I would go and go to Walmart and get and watch movies and things like that. Go out for, for <laughs> go out for dinner in Orangeville. But Mono's just on the outskirts and this is where this motel is located. So I'm like, wow. score. So next time I'm home, I'm doing a Shit's Creek tour. I'm going to go oh, ahead. Yeah. I'll put, uh, we'll have to put them up on the, on the Twitter or something like that. All of these locations. We'll use all our BFE money to like buy and be like, yeah, welcome to the Shits Creek oh. Tour. Stay, stay for a night and we'll take your doors off too. Well, yeah, there we go. Do you want doors on or doors off? <laughs> Extra money if you want the doors off. Uh, and so, um, and this is where Roland won't leave. And at this point, it's really weird because something the show does really well is I want Roland to leave. Now, yeah. I don't like the roses per se. I'm not really supposed to. But... I'm 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 dismissing Roland. He's annoying. He uses their toilet for f- far too long. He won't go home for whatever reason. And uh he's the only sort of other shit's creaky kind of person we meet. Oh, I guess we meet one more. But, you know, we don't meet his family. They would get they get cast later and things like that. However, speaking of family, the original girl who was supposed to play Alexis, Chris Elliott's daughter no way yeah how's that for a small world that's great yeah so a lot of family sort of links that would have been interesting although i think the girl who plays alexis does, does a fine job it'd be curious to run an alternate universe you know if we could good place this and oh, reset yeah. it and just go ahead now let's watch it with her in it that would be a really interesting sort of experiment um and so then we go to the cafe which the cafe is also another sort of major place here because there's no kitchen in the motel so if you ever want them to eat you kind of got to think about this and a just a couple things one we've got the two kids fighting like they're six and seven throughout i i love that they just because they they continue to feel so spoiled and bratty and i i adore that in these shows and just before this we find out of course that alexis is gonna have stavros her boyfriend's gonna come rescue her she believes so she's not taking any of this seriously as well oh this is really quite charming because she doesn't have to think about this as her actual reality and the menus in this restaurant are the largest like you can't open you can't sit side by side with anybody because the menus have like 19 panels on them and that is a great send-up of the small town sort of canadian um breakfast cafe I was gonna like it feels like every seaside place, even in the UK, where it's like kind of run down, kind of like quaint and homely, but like maybe a bit too much if you're coming in from like somewhere else. I I loved it. And there is a waitress who serves them called Twyla, and Twyla is significant because she didn't have to audition for her role either because Ooh. she is Eugene Levy's daughter and Dan oh Levy's my sister. God. So his sister does not play his sister. and so she has this nice kind of recurring role in this too as kind of the sweet down uh, not down on our luck but the sweet naive girl twyla who works at the cafe and that's really act two and then we get to act three they go back and there's no doors and we sort of set up a couple of really mini plots because uh you know um johnny has to go apologize and when is an apology not an apology because they get into sort of a measuring contest about who was wrong to who and then uh, moira loses her earrings and what is an accusation not an accusation because um you know she thinks that um 
she thinks that Stevie has stolen her earrings. And so Stevie first off makes her say that she's accusing her and then says, can I leave? Because I've got to make the pawn shop before it closes. And I've also got to find my crack dealer. <laughs> I, I love Stevie in this so much. Well, and then Dan Levy's character, David, hears this and he goes, wait, what? And he goes, goes I need a towel. And that's the only concern he has. <laughs> He's like, I've asked thrice. I've asked thrice. Uh, and Stavros breaks up with Alexis because, you know, he was almost, he had told her that he might be ready at some point in the future to say, I love you. <laughs> might be. And um, all these things, of course, get reconciled. Well, I guess the apology, if it's not an apology, we just find out there's going to be a continuing butting of the heads, I guess, between the two men. Um, Johnny reveals that he hid uh, Moira's earrings for safekeeping. And, um, you know, poor Alexis is left to mend her broken heart. And the parents come in and they promise the kids that we will get through this. And our last scene is from outside the motel. And we hear, good night, good night. Let's all pray we don't wake up. And this is a perversion of the Waltons, where they would end every episode, before my time, but they would they were like an American classic family, where the family got along, they were all in it together. And they would close every episode by saying good night and turning the lights off. And from the outside, you would watch them all turn off. So this is taking that trope and uh, twisting it to see here is who the roses really are. So in essence, you have four plots in this. plot. The, the A plot is the family's got to move and this culture yep. shock. The B plot is Johnny offending Roland because he freaks out on him and tells him he, he has to get the, get the bleep out of here, uh, which is great when he calls back to it. Uh, plot the C plot is is Alexis going to stay here or is Stavros going to come get her and then the D plots kind of where is the earrings so for the most part everybody except for David had something significant to do in this episode I felt David was there I think more for jokes because a lot of it is just like he exacerbates Alexis's plot more because it's just him being not bitter but just I guess judgmental of what she's trying to do. Now, a showrunner, he's got the big picture in his head, and maybe that oh, his yeah. time is going to come. But yeah. I felt that maybe he was the best example in this episode of our surrogate. I think as he reacted, we reacted, I think. I think it's a mix of him and Stevie, but even then, I think he's oh, he has more presence. I think Steve, that's a good point. I think Stevie's yeah. our surrogate for how weird they are. Yeah. But I think he's our surrogate for how weird um the town is and maybe the situation is from their perspective although you can make the argument johnny is as well he seems the most like level-headed in it i think he's more understanding of the situation while everyone else is more freaking out but i think because of because it's dan levy there's definitely something more there i mean his character oh absolutely and i didn't really want to go into an e-plot where are my towels i don't think that was enough of a plot (laughs) to count but it was it was all right. So, I mean, we've kind of gone through. That's the episode. Ethan, did you have a favorite character of the bunch that jumped out at you? Um, it, it's probably either weirdly Johnny or Stevie. I like I like both of them. I was I was impressed by. I was really thinking that Johnny was going to be so obnoxious and annoying, but he's just he seems like a somewhat decent family man, which is. It's like a reverse of Arrested Development where it's like Michael is the one trying to keep everything <laughs> yeah. together while the dad's the fuck up. I feel like everyone else is the screw up and he's trying to keep everything together, which which I liked. I thought it was it was good. It didn't seem like his wealth and money seemed to make him as jaded as everyone else, which I wasn't expecting. No, I think uh, I think you're right. I think Johnny's he's a bit entitled because he's been used to a certain way of living and he can't relate to the things around him. But I do think that he's... Uh, I, I do think he is. I'm going to get my family through this. I'm going to get the family back together. What's the most important thing? It is family. Actually, the rest of development's a really interesting uh, comparison. Yeah. Um, so I think my from this pilot, my favorite character is probably Stevie or Johnny as well. Mm. Um, I, I want to like David Morvan, but I don't get a chance to like him that much in this episode. They don't give yeah. me enough for him to do. And that's okay. That's okay. Because mm. the big plot point really is Alexis. As far as this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not a very diverse for 2015, 2014, 15. It's not a very diverse cast. Yeah. The, it, I wouldn't say that it surprised me. I think mine, my, my, well, 
my perception of Shit's Creek, because I've only really seen the Dan Levy stuff, was I thought it was more like a sort of gay LGBT style comedy for some reason, more like Will and Grace ish. So we're going into like, oh, okay, this is a bit, a bit of a shock, but I'll see where it goes. And that's something they don't address at all in the pilot. Interestingly enough, they do before mm-hmm. season one's out. Um, I don't guess anything of a spoiler to go. Um, he sort of said to himself, what would happen if he did a show that had LGBT characters, but for whom the concept of being LGBT isn't a thing? Yeah. If everyone was just not even like, we're okay with it, with like a big smile and a thumbs up to the camera, but just, just like it's a normal thing. Yeah. What if no one just like questioned yeah. it and just went, yeah, okay, great. And there's I like a, that. And there's a great metaphor very early on for sexuality, and they use wine. That's all I'm going to say. When you get that far, yeah. you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's in season one, and it's brilliant. It's still to this day the best way I can think of to describe sexuality in a metaphor, at least as far as that character's sexuality in, 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 in a metaphorical context. So, um, and so, and then when you get to the whole series, they go in that a massive amount in that Netflix special, which is great. I, I think it's okay, but it's not diverse. In, this sounds really, really weird to sort of say this as far as from, from an ethnic perspective. It, has, it focuses around one family, and we're going to small town Hicksville. Yeah. And if you're going to make small town Hicksville and they need to overlook small town Hicksville, we need to overlook small town Hicksville in the opening episode, too. Yeah, I mean, it's a very it's a very privileged sort of stereotypically privileged white family. So I think that's also a big reason there, too. Absolutely. And then if they went to this neighborhood and it was all multicultural, it becomes it would be really hard to go. Oh, look at these hicks. That's a different. That's a really that's not the case. We have a certain like, you know, Chris Elliott looks like what you're after. Yeah. In this Twyla, to a degree, looks like what you're after because she's the simple kind of girl who works there. And that's what you need. Now, as they flush out the series, you see a lot more um, diversity in general, in general. But I think it's important in the the sitcom that how they established it, I think it works. And it would be um, if you only if if it was this sort of bugbear on his shoulder going, make sure that you've got if if Roland, instead of being a white actor, was an actor of, of color, I think it's a lot harder to make those lazy assumptions that you need to make for this premise to work at the start. Yeah. Yeah. I think cause there's a show, I think we, I'm, we might've talked about and talking to Mickey called blackish. Uh, cause one of the actors is in like Peter Pan and they deal with that concept kind of, but almost flip it on its head that like, what's it like of people of color to be in those high positions of richness. So it's almost like a reverse shit's Creek. Okay. And I guess my last thought would just be whether we like it or not, I've got my notes. We're the roses. We're not the shits. As an audience member, we, we are a rose. They are who we are aligned to. We open with them. We see it from that perspective. And we do, we do judge. We absolutely judge Roland. Oh yeah. We might side with, 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 um, Stevie as she gets her little digs in, but we're still with the roses. They're who we care about. Um, and we react as they tend to do. So um, it's an interesting perspective to frame us with them. Uh, just some quick reviews. Um, the New York Times, Margaret Lyon said, is the cast good? I was not wild about the pilot of Shit's Creek and actually didn't love the first season. Too screamy, not fun enough. But Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara were there, and I'm not made of stone. I loved how much Dan Levy and Annie Marie's performances played off each other. I stuck it out, and I'm thrilled I did. Shit's is one of my... Uh, current favorites and that's her kind of comparing it to the whole run yeah um the second one said and i can't believe i've forgotten to write down who it was surprisingly the mvps of the series aren't eugene levy who's more of a straight man and o'hara their characters will have their moments especially o'hara but it's murphy and the younger levy who are the true stars of the show daniel levy has a confident comedic voice and a knack for biting dialogue which can only mature along with the series especially as we get to know the town and the character more there is room for improvement luckily there will be a second season to work on that and that was more of a season one retrospective yeah and then in the toronto star talking about the actual pilot alone uh vinay manon says over the past four decades the situation in sitcom has become something of a misnomer the more memorable comedies increasingly place a creative premium on character, relationships, and dialogue. This is why Shit's Creek is off to such a dazzling start. Plot is the least of it. Similar to shows such as Arrested Development or Curb Your Enthusiasm, what we have is a canvas for smart writing, future in-jokes, throwaway lines, and subtle asides delivered with deadpan precision. And I think 
probably a little bit too much. It's ours, so yay. But, you know, I mean, that's my thing. What was your take, Ethan, overall the pilot? Is is there enough for you to come back? I, I'd, say, I'd say so. I was thoroughly impressed because I didn't know where it was going to go, and I liked the fact that I remember it was when we did the one division when you were like, "Is do you want to come back? Like, does it create a narrative that you enjoy?" And yeah, I kind of want to. I want to see them either suffer or just grow. And I, I like the characters. I like the the story. I've always liked the rags to riches to rags kind of thing. So I, I'm definitely. So you're hoping you have myself. this in inverse riches to rags oh, yeah, to riches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I um. I had to stop myself because I was watching it on Netflix, obviously, and I was like, "Oh, next episode, do I do I continue or should I just stop?" And I had I had to force wow. myself just okay. to just to like turn it off and stop. So that sounds like a yes. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, for me, I mean, I went I went and watched the whole thing. I, I will say that my appreciation of a series increased as it went on, and so you know, I kind of went, "All right, let's give it some more of a chance." It takes a lot for me to go after one episode of a sitcom not feeling this. I'll usually give you a mm-hmm. few cuz the first one's just set me up in the universe. Then episode 2 is the one where you kind of go, "Now what you got?" Especially in a sitcom cuz 22 minutes isn't enough. Give me it your character. Established enough for me to to be like, "Okay, like this, like this, want to see where this goes." And like it, it's a world that I think there's a lot that can be done with it, so I'm very mm-hmm. intrigued to see where this where this can continue, well, also, especially for six seasons. I'll say this much. They actually did get four plots going along in 22 yeah. minutes in a pilot, which I thought was... It's, I think it's very well paced as well for four plots. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of them were, were, were all act three. like They, they, they were kind of like mini plots, but I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, and I think it says something to the idea of story and knowing where they're going. And what they want to say. And you can do that when it's 10 episodes or 13 episodes as opposed to 22. And you don't have to stall, which is what happens too often in those big uh, sort of American network sitcoms. So we said it had to do three things. It just, does it establish characters? Well, I'll let you answer these questions. Oh, I, th- I think it does. Like, I, I know pretty much every single character's sort of thoughts and wants. And I, I definitely know, okay. This character is like the abrasive, annoying mother. This is the the bratty, selfish child. This is Dan Levy. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's, there's defi- I, I think it's definitely established all the characters pretty well. Um, does it create an atmosphere or a mood? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Like, there's not foreboding, but there's like, I, I, just, I just like it's a sense of just humility. I think, and like, is the best way I can describe it. I, I forget season one, but I think you get the idea of it. It's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm okay with it. This is not the fall. This is not the height of the fall yet, or the height of the fall. <laughs> That's kind of weird. Not the depth of the fall. Yeah. Um. And then maybe finally, you know, what is the reason to come back? Is there an overarching narrative? And I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, you sort of talked about it already, didn't you? The whole idea of rags to riches and back to rags, or, or vice versa, as we said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think can they can they get back you know this is you know can the two broke girls not be broke anymore can these guys you know can these guys pull themselves up by their bootstraps and make something of it in this town which we've yet to really fully explore and there's a promise there too what else is in Shit's creek yeah i see like it's not even like i want to see them like get back on their feet i just want to see if they'll like sort of change their values have more of like a, a redemption almost and be less obnoxious i think that's why i want to keep watching because I, I i like seeing i like seeing uh progressiveness in in a, in a in a very like ignorant selfish person now i mean um when george and i talked about friends uh, we had some issues with it and we, we eventually said she was kind of iffy on if she would have cleared it for takeoff she had some issues with some technical stuff because obviously it was shot in four three. Oh, Sorry. yeah, because now it's widescreen. So I'd always shoot it in sixteen nine. They format it to four three, and so there was some yeah. stuff in the background that was inconsistent. But I'm going, yeah, with Georgia, they would have. If it was filmed today, they would have caught that. So mm-hmm. you have to, we have to realize the sort of why that's there because they thought that was going to be like you know here there be dragons. No one's ever going to see that footage, and then they literally changed the shape of a TV screen, and they go, <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> <laughs> um. So if you had to give it like a grade, like, you know, um, like, like you would in school where like a, a plus a star is your best and F is your fail. We're going American style on this. A, B, C, D, F. There is no E, there is no G, there is no U. 
Okay, so A, B, C, D, F. Where do you place the pilot of Shit's Creek? You've cleared it for takeoff, so it it can't fail. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say B plus. I think okay. it's really I think it's really well done. I think for the the length that it has, it does enough. But it's because it's a sitcom. It's definitely one of those more difficult things that I can fully grasp. There's still a lot more that I wish I could have seen. I wanted to see more of Shit's Creek, like. And I guess that's why, because you only have 22 minutes, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. That's so what... I think... Go ahead. I think with everything, with the runtime they had, there's there's a lot that they did, but there's still more that I want to see. I don't know if that's purposeful to keep me watching, but from a pilot point of view, I think I think, I think a B-plus is, is, is decent for it. Yeah, I mean, it's why pilots are difficult. I think Friends got weighed down when we did that one by the fact that it's a three-camera setup with a live studio audience. And how much time do you lose while you wait for them to laugh? Oh, yeah. And what does that do? As opposed to a single camera, non-laugh track, non-studio audience, shoot. And I think uh, my grade for this is a C-plus. I liked it. It was enough to go, I'll give it another go. I wasn't thrilled but I was willing to give these characters a good, because there were some characters I was interested. I was more invested in a couple of characters than I was the premise or the family overall. I liked Stevie. I wanted to find out more about David and I like I, Eugene Levy's just got a likability about him, even though he's a bit caustic in this. He's he's I just kind of like Eugene Levy. I don't know what it is. He has a nice presence. Yeah, like, he does. like a calming like he's just got a, a yeah, calming presence to most situations. Even when he loses it and he swears at uh, Roland, he oh, apolog- that had me cackling. He apologized. With, he said, "I overreacted. I mm. apologize." And then he goes and he and then when 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 Roland tries to twist the screw a little bit too much and overget it, he goes, "I'm not doing that." And he ends the conversation. He walks away. And I'm like, okay, there is a a a certain. This strikes me as a guy who could have been a successful businessman in meetings and things of that nature. I was yeah. like, all right, I understand you. So uh, just maybe to help sweeten your deal, I just want to say eventually here is what happens from an award perspective, if I may. Oh, okay. The final season, the final season, because it's almost ignored by the Emmys flat out. Ooh. It gets a little bit in season five, but in season six, it's final season. It wins the Emmy for Outstanding Directing, Outstanding Writing, Outstanding Casting, Outstanding Costumes, Outstanding Supporting Actor for Dan Levy, Outstanding Supporting Actress for Annie Murphy, Outstanding Lead Actress for Catherine O'Hara, Outstanding Lead Actor for Eugene Levy, and Outstanding Comedy Series. Oh my God, that's nine awards. It won like not literally, but it wins everything. It wins the things that you, anything that would be consider considerable. Wow. It wins it all. And part of that's going to be sitcoms are a dying art form. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's not enough of them. I wish there were more. It's not the nineties where every network had five or six or seven or eight on the docket. And there's not enough good ones either. No fear factor comes out and reality TV wipes out sitcoms between eight and 10 PM, which is when you made sitcoms for, mm-hmm. um, cause it's so much cheaper to do a reality show than it is to do a scripted, um, uh, show and then the ones that do i mean it's so hard to do a premise that hasn't been done before um the nature of comedy itself is changing you could not make the office today you could not make how i met your mother with some of barney stinson's anymore Mm, um it becomes very very difficult um and so i think in an in an era of um hyper social awareness um, there's a thousand different viewpoints on what is considered funny. And I think as a result, uh, we are seeing very few sitcoms rise to the top to the point where I think sitcoms that might've been considered all right in the glory days are the, the Kings of the mountain. Cause there's nothing else right now here. Mm. And I'll go back all the way to everybody loves Raymond in like 2007 and go, how is that the number one? sitcom on television because there was nothing else there it was a wasteland it's all that i see on like channel four like i i think i still think seinfeld's like at that top because it just got yeah, it love correct seinfeld. like i look i i rewatched um come fly with me and was it little britain <sighs> cannot do that like the jo- no. the joke is racism yeah the, jo- the joke so is it's, pure racism so it's i like that the, the, there are sitcoms that coming out now that are just funny yeah. Not not for like pot shots. It's just funny. Yep. And so, I mean, 
Yeah, I and mean, we can have a whole conversation about the nature of comedy, and that would be a much mm. different and long podcast. Um, we have many, many, many different opinions. But a B plus from you, C plus from me, which is the highest I've given it anything so far. It was a good. Oh, wow. It's a good. Well, we've done. We've done two. Well, I've done yeah. two. I've done friends in this. Friends pilot's not particularly strong. It's not. It's not. I remember listening to that when I was like, "Oh wow, I've just, I've just forgotten." From a story perspective, it's it had the nuggets to get you to come back, but they even ignore yeah. that and all sorts of stuff. Uh, I think we tend to over remember it because of how good the the season one and season two are really, really strong. Uh, first four seasons are really strong, but the, the the pilot was not a good start. This is an okay start. This is all right. This is all right. It's not a bad pilot. I'd say Friends is more a bad pilot, passable but bad. This is you know. This is a student who's got promise and with some work could do a lot better. Friends is like <laughs> it does its job. Friends is like this is not your best work. I want to see more out of you next time. So <laughs> such is so. It's uh, I guess we're all using the, the pilot metaphor. We're all we're all cleared for takeoff. And uh, I, I'm curious. Next time we do something together, Ethan, I'm gonna ask to see if you kept up with. You have to watch all of it. Don't. I mean, that tends to be your, your, your gimmick, but don't feel that you have to watch all of it. But just the idea of did you continue with it and what, do you have any thoughts on the back end? We'll sort of revisit this. I th- I think I will. Like when I have free time after watching the copious amounts of rom-coms for our real round table, which I think will come out the week this drops. Uh, I'm trying to remember what I have. If I take a look now at the schedule, I'll do that really, really quickly and say that uh, we're recording this on literally on Groundhog Day. So on mm-hmm. Friday, we've got One Night in Miami. Uh, then we've got Jurassic Park with Debbie. That's going to be the following Tuesday, which means that this will drop on Friday with two days remaining until we drop our uh, – on the Sunday, on Valentine's Day itself, we are dropped. Yep. So, you know, two days after this airs. After this is released, we yep. will be doing our roundtable, the rom-com roundtable, I'm calling it. It's a real roundtable, but it's a rom-com roundtable. Yeah, I think after I finish all the rom-coms for that, I'll definitely come back for it because I, I, I need something like to watch or just have on while I'm recovering from all the zoom lectures <laughs> yeah bless you yeah i'm the same it's it's, it's uh, we're, on, we're on different sides of the screen on this sort of thing I'm, mm. I'm talking to a screen and not getting much back a lot of the time but such is it is the nature of our covid lifestyle oh it's it's great <laughs> covid lockdown three what's that our third one i have no idea uh at world's end we've done that one before i don't know I don't know. Right, right, yeah. COVID-3, Rise of Skywalker. The worst one. Well, that's not, that's like nine. I mean, you could... Yeah, but it's the third in, in, in that trilogy. Return of the COVID. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, I don't know what Star Trek 3 was. Star Trek 3 was the search for Spock? I guess that doesn't work. I, yeah, I think it's... Or is that four? No, four no. was... Two's Khan. Four's the yeah. voyage home. Oh, yeah. Five's the final frontier. I haven't seen any of these, but I know the names. Yeah, I've never seen them. Yeah. I just know these names. I've seen like scenes and gone, I don't know what the appeal is. And just, I like Star Trek, but I, the movies just, I don't get them. But that's it's a different thing. For someone, for a different day. Yeah, for someone who watches like Star Wars for the politics, I don't know why I've never gotten into Star Trek. So, um, speaking of, you know, what you get into, what you don't, if you're out there and you decide to, if you've given Shit's Creek a watch and you've got some opinions, let us know. If you haven't, go check out the pilot. Go check it out. Check a couple episodes. Get back to us. What did you think? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Do you have any recommendations for things we could be doing? We got a long old list, but I'm I'm happy to add to it. Uh, just realize if it's like region specific, it may not get to the top of the list. That's all I'm like saying. The German version of the IT crowd. Yeah, like I would love to do Deutschland. I'd love to do Deutschland 83, which is a German series, but it's not going to play well in Canada or the United States. It is the most watched foreign language series in Britain history oh, ever wow. so it is really it's just really good but i think I'm, am i more likely to do that or stranger things i'm probably more likely to say let's do an episode on stranger things i'm probably yeah. more likely to do let's do law and order or let's do desperate housewives or, or you know things that have global or at least you know more global uh sort of renown so such is we we got lots to watch and we'll never run out because they're putting out new stuff all the time and not just the good stuff i want to look at some stuff that didn't make the cut and maybe things that lasted a, a season and maybe we could go what do you think was it actually better than it looked because there's some good ones out there that don't make the cut because they just couldn't find an audience 
Mm. So I'm trying to think of some, but like there are so many. Oh, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. Yeah. Freaks and geeks jump to the top of my list and things oh, like that. Yeah. So um, tell you what. So get a hold of us. Our social at Best Film Ever Pod on Twitter is the best way to get a hold of us. But you can also get a hold of us on Facebook, on Instagram. And I think we have a Gmail, bestfilmeverpod at gmail.com. So go ahead, get a hold of us, let us know what you think. Any recommendations, we're here to hear that. So, um, I guess that's it. We're all done. We're ready to fly the Shits Creek fly- skies. I keep, it's twice I've done that and messed it up. But for <laughs> Best Film Ever, I've been Ian. And I've been Ethan. And we'll see you next time. Oh no, we're crashing. Oh jeez. <laughs> It was good. It was repetitive. Oh. <laughs> I hit a button there, so I'll add it out. I'll put that, I'll put that as Dakota. <laughs>